you've already seen Spider-Man, Iron Man, X-Men, The Dark Knight, and Thor. Now, prepare for a movie that you would have liked way better if those hadn't already come out. In this boring origin story that was too nerdy for mainstream America and too mainstream for nerdy America, Ryan Reynolds stars as Maverick pilot Hal Jordan, a handsome, underachieving playboy, kind of like Ryan Reynolds. When a magic ring transports Hal into outer space, he's forced to become a member of the Green Lantern Corps, intergalactic space police who use their rings to create anything they can imagine, like fists, guns, a Hot Wheels car, or a terrible CGI costume. That's really cool. <laughs> no. It isn't. Come on, you fuckers think that just because a guy reads comics he can't work for shit? I'll fucking take all you want! Welcome to this week's episode of the Funny Books and Firewater Podcast. Each week, a motley band of comic readers slash amateur bar tenders attempt to pair cocktails with comic books. Each week, a motley band of comic readers slash amateur bar tenders attempt to pair cocktails with comic books. Each week, a motley band of comic readers slash amateur bar tenders attempt to pair cocktails with comic books. Each week, a motley band of comic readers ファインディーズイディアツオンフェイスブックツイッターインスタグラムやタンブラーにこれらのバカを検索できます。ノーワッ。ユリッチュメニーカミックブックス。ウェイナウジョインブライアン。キューアダムエンタッド。我々ニコ
Mm-hmm. It's the first time he ever complained about anything. He goes, don't you ever fucking play that song again. He goes, I fucking hate that song. And I was like, <laughs> like okay, fuck it. I'm like, there's no way you can please everybody. There's just no way. It's never going to happen. You can't do it. I'm like, I'm not even going to waste my time. So then I put together a playlist of songs deliberately to annoy people. So it has stuff like One Night in Bangkok and Take On Me by AHA and the theme song from The Never Ending Story. And so I have this list of like, and I'm deliberately trying to annoy st- people with my song. And I have on multiple occurrences had people be like, I always know it's here because you always play the most interesting music. And they meant that in a very positive way, not in like the sweet spirit way. And like in the, oh, I love it. And I'm like, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, cause I'm really trying to annoy people. Like that's sort of my game <laughs> That reminds me, La La Land has this wonderful moment where Emma Stone asks this cover band to play Iran just to annoy the keyboardist, and it's <laughs> awesome. He's <laughs> like, don't you ever do that. Why did you do that to me? What is wrong with you? <laughs> it was it, awesome. Yeah, La La Land is great. I really enjoyed that movie. I need to go see that. I yes, see you do. Well, Jess will be going out of town on another car auction here in the near future, so I will have some, some free time. That's when I normally catch up on all my Academy Award-nominated movies is when she's off. I, I go and try to watch all the <laughs> movies. Because, like, I mean, we go to movies every so often, but she just doesn't like the artsy-fartsies like I do. So, like, when she's out of town, that's when I go catch up on all my artsy-fartsies. So... This is just a great movie, fartsy or not. It's good. Well, and she would love it because it's a musical, you know. Okay. So, well, and that's what I was thinking too. That's why she should see it because I think she'd have a lot. Well, and I, I've been saying this since I saw it the first time. Uh, in the opening two minutes of the movie, when they're all stuck in traffic on this overpass in L.A., and they all get out, and there's a huge song and dance number. If mm-hmm. you are all in right then, you're gonna love it. If you were like, what the fuck was that? Just turn it off or, you know, (laughs) leave the theater, go somewhere else because you will hate that movie. So the first two minutes, you will decide if you'll like it or not. Q and I have a history with songs that randomly break into songs or shows that randomly break break into songs. Thank you. (laughs) Like like Dancer in the Dark. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. That was a depressing movie. Do no, not yeah. do not get high on <laughs> on St. Patrick's Day, then go bar hopping, then come back and watch the most depressing <laughs> movie ever. I don't even whose idea was it to watch that? Was that Melissa's? Or? I think it was just, I think it was just on HBO or something like that. But so but part of the thing about what happened was is that so I'd only ever smoked pot once before and like kind of just didn't feel anything. So I was with, you know, Q and his roommates. And so I tried to match them and they were major potheads. Right. So they're yes, doing like hit for hit for hit for hit. So like I and like I literally was at one point in time making four peanut butter and jelly sandwiches while opening a bag of chips. <laughs> and going, I don't understand what people mean when they talk about getting the munchies. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. So anyway, so we sit down, we're watching this movie and like it's I don't I don't understand in my idle state that it's breaking into song because that's what the movie does. I'm thinking that the weed is making this randomly break into songs. Because that so would have made thinking, it like, so much more entertaining. Though. I know. So I'm, I'm like in my in my mind, I keep putting together this list of movies I want to watch high so they break into musicals because I'm like maybe that's how it affects me is it just turns into musicals. Which if that was the case, I would be like a Broadway superstar if I could just be like write down what I hear. Right? It's like I have like weird like horror movies that I want to watch. Like I want to watch like a Rob Zombie horror film and watch it break into a musical. Like, I thought that would be amazing, right? So I pass out before the show turns dark, because that show turns real dark. Yeah, you know what I mean? Gets, it gets dark. It gets real, real dark. Well, so I fall, I, like, I pass out. So Q is, like, trying to wake me up, going, like, dude, you got to go to bed. And I'm like, I'm fine here. Leave me alone. He's like, no, seriously, you got to go to bed. And I'm like, just leave me alone. I'm fine. He goes, okay, at least just, like, I was on the floor. He's like, just move to the couch. Just, like, move to the couch. And I'm like, okay, fine. He goes, I mean, and he goes, that movie was the worst thing to watch. I'm like, that movie was awesome! Because I never got to where it was dark. Like, I was so in love with it. I've still never seen the entire movie, but I know Q was just like, Q went on a way bad trip, and I fell asleep before it got bad. I was like, this is so great! Uh, okay, have you have either of you guys seen that movie? Yeah, I've seen it. Oh, yeah. Like the... I'm singing a song, and they put a noose around my neck, and then the song ends because I don't get to finish it, because I'm dead. Uh, it is awful. Awful. Oh, my gosh. And the whole thing that she could have saved herself if she spent her money on a good defense lawyer, but she spends it on her son. To have yeah, I know. Oh, I know. I know. Anyway, holy cow, that movie was intense. Yeah, it is. Don't watch that show inebriated. Uh, I've also, now, this is not from personal experience. I've never done it, but I also heard you should not take acid and watch Across the Universe. Oh, God. First of all, I've never done acid, and I'd be like, no. No, no, ma'am. No, ma'am. 
No, I will say one time I, I, I have done shrooms a couple times. And I'll never forget the first time I did it. I was sitting on the, the balcony. It was the middle of winter. And I, was, I had my headphones on listening to music. And every so often I would think I was making the music in my head. And it was like coming out my ears. And I had to go like, no, no, you're just on drugs. Yeah. <laughs> But then I looked down, and the snow had partially melted over the grass. And so there were, like, patches of, like, we could see grass and then snow around it. And I swear to God, the snow was dancing. Like, the little spots <laughs> would move. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah, so that was... Actually, a friend of mine went to college for, you know, to help people with mental <clears throat> substance abuse problems. Yeah. And huh. uh, they said of his professors, were like, actually, mushrooms are fine. Like, they're non-addictive. The more you do them, the less you want to. So if you want to do mushrooms, do you go ahead and do them? And he's like, like, and you learned this in college? It's like, well, it was the you. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. And how else to start out a discussion of space, time, and, you know, political intrigue and uh, anything else than discussions of watching Shadow of the Dancer um, and <laughs> Dancing Snow. But uh, hey, we're here. It's episode 41. We're eight minutes into it. <laughs> oh, this is the show? <laughs> this is the show, kids. Oh, uh, I wasn't aware. Uh, so we have our natural accoutrement. We'll see how much I leave that in. Uh, or I might move it. Who knows? Actually, I probably won't move it. And I'll probably leave it in because that's that's what I do. Uh, that's, that's a little glimpse behind the curtain for you, kids. Enjoy it. Um, but we have um, our fabulous uh, team and accoutrement. Uh, the choreographer of Snow Everywhere, we have. Adam. Hey, what's up, everyone? I am in currently in the middle of Sundance. By the time you hear this, I will probably have seen about 15 movies, so God help me. Um, <laughs> everyone thinks it's, it's so cool you get to go see Sundance and go see movies, and you know what? It is. I love it. It's a lot of fun, but there comes a point when you've seen three shitty movies in a row, and you're like, do I really want to go see more? Because I don't know who picks these films, but some of them, like, like last year, the big one was the Greasy Strangler, which was trying to be like a John Waters-esque midnight movie. Mm-hmm. The biggest piece of shit I've ever seen. But yet <laughs> I still keep on quoting it because there's like three lines that are infinitely quotable, and it pisses mm-hmm. me off that I do it because I shouldn't. But mm-hmm. anyways, yeah. So I'm in the middle of my little mini vacation, uh, middle of Sundance. Uh, I'll probably be spending most of the time down in Salt Lake, and you can read about that and hear me. Uh, respectively, on Big Shiny Robot and also on the Board as Hell podcast. Hi, Andy. Hey, Andy. And Andy gets to go to South by Southwest, so he gets jealous of me going to Sundance, and then I get jealous of him going to South by Southwest. So, yeah, I, I, I don't. Know. I've been to Sundance. I would like to go to South by Southwest just because I haven't experienced it. I don't. I don't. I don't know. That's a lot of movies, but like South by Southwest also has the, the music, which they, I got think kind of a broader thing. But they also they um. They kind of get some more of the the more popular films. Like they get a lot more horror and comedies, and things mm-hmm. that go a bit more mainstream. Mm-hmm. But um, no, I, I, one day I'll eventually I'll go down there and I'll I'll get to go experience it, and hopefully one day he will come visit us and get to do Sundance. So cool! Uh, someone who we hope will visit us in person at some point in time, and we're only a few months away from the stars aligning and him being in Utah. We have the lovely, the fabulous, the talented, the on a theater break, the Q. Hi <laughs> <laughs> everyone. I'm Q. Um, Anna, look me up on Facebook or some junk. I don't know. <laughs> do you have a Twitter? Uh, I do, but I very rarely use it. I'm not good at the Twitters. It, it, it's either you do Twitter and like that's like your main thing, or you don't do Twitter. Yeah. Your Snapchat has been lovely lately. Oh, thanks. Oh, so, so you liked my very sad uh, New Year's <laughs> Eve story when yeah, I saw homeless people's shoes in the rain? <laughs> yeah. That sounds yeah. like an emo music video. Yeah, New, New Year's Eve has not been uh, a, a holiday that I celebrate well. Mm-hmm. It's just not, it's just never been one of the fun ones for me. So, one of these okay. days I'm going to learn my lesson. I, that's why I took this year off because I almost always have to work New Year's and this year I was like, I'm not doing it. I'm leaving town. You're all going to have to just deal because I had no major projects keeping me in town. That's why I left. So Woo-hoo. anyway, and who I spent New Year's Eve with but did not kiss at the stroke of midnight, unfortunately, because my wife was there. We have Todd. Hey, I'm Todd. You can find me on the Funny Books and Firewaters podcast. I'm not doing theater. I'm not writing for websites. I'm not found anywhere else. I'm just a wallflower. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Brian did not kiss me at midnight, but he did earlier. Thank you. I did, actually. No, it's true. I did. It was nice. It was in front of our wives, and they went, hmm, are we jealous? We're not sure. No, they weren't jealous at all. They didn't care. <laughs> no, they didn't care. 
It was actually on a, a street in downtown Salt Lake, too, I might add. We were, you know, we were very out there. We were very out there. Right on Main Street, the popo was going to come arrest us all. <laughs> Is yeah. that illegal in Utah? No. I, I, I never know. Only if you're on Mormon grounds. Oh, okay. We should have moved up the block then. That's right. Move up a block and then it'd be a whole big story. Uh, and then uh, I'm Brian. I'm uh, Southern California sound designer. Killing comma, my friend. Uh, check it out. Video games coming out uh, hopefully this summer that I'm working on. Um, and uh, we'll feature voices of people on this show and on other shows that we're friends with and uh, all that mm. fun stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, so that being said, so this week we are reading from DC Comics, uh, and just I believe just this last year, relatively recent, mm-hmm. uh, uh, we are reading the Omega Men uh, from Tom King and a long list of writers, um, but uh, Barnaby Bagadina uh, or Bagenda, whatever. Let's see, I'm just Baginda. trying to Bagenda. Yeah. So I get, no, this was published in 2015, 2016. So mm-hmm. uh, a little less than a year old. Basically, we're looking at here is a, it's a book about um, a, uh, a political faction who are uh, trying to, let's see, well, maybe I should read the back of this. Cal near the White Lantern is dead, and the Omega Men killed him on live TV. They're violent insurgents and terrorist organization, a fanatical cult, or uh, they're patriots, uh, the last hope of freedom in the godforsaken sector of the universe, the Vegas system. It depends on who you ask, but no matter what the galaxy thinks it saw, Earth's White Lantern is still alive as the Omega Men's prisoner. What they really want uh, him to be is the latest recruit in the relentless war against the all-powerful Citadel and its tyrannical Viceroy. As Kyle gets to know the motley crew of outlaws, he questions everything he knows about being a hero in the strange system where Green Lanterns are forbidden. Uh, will he break his oath and join the revolution, or will he discover that the Omega Men are monsters in the end? Better said than I would have said it before, so that's why I read it off the back, and then uh, what you just heard was probably edited heavily because I struggled to get through that. Um, so, just so you know. Uh, I, uh, I'm using my editing techniques for my own vanity in that circumstance. I'm just letting you know, put it up on Front Street, but that's how it's going to be. Um, so anyway, that is this week's book. Um, but to uh, to read the book, uh, you're going to need a drinking game. And now for sports. Banning the globe to bring you the constant variety of sports. Listen up, sports fans. The thrill of victory. Prepare yourself and your liver. For this week's drinking game and the agony of defeat remember it's only a game and a dumb one at that the human drama of athletic competition so don't take it too seriously and above all else please drink responsibly the guy is drunk but there he goes rule one the prison cell rule which is every time there is a uh, there are nine equal panels on a page that look like a prison cell take a drink rule two the annoying editing rule where every time they say a bad word and they replace it with the alien language take a drink rule three the alpha and omega rule anytime someone says alpha or omega take a drink <laughs> i mean and our final rule the flesh wound rule every time someone should be mortally wounded and dieting just goes well that's annoying basically you should take a drink Fantastico. Well, so that gets us uh, gets us a drinking game and a new drop from Q. Super excited about that. Um, <laughs> also, in, ca- in case the Alpha and Omega is a little too much for y'all, because guess what it's going to be? Uh-huh. Um, another one is anytime someone does not remain dead. Yeah. Like, like, but, but not just wounded, but like someone who yeah. died on panel and then shows up in like the next few pages. <laughs> you should take a drink. Okay. So, so not, not, not even dead, just like yeah. wounded, because I mean, there, there, there's a lot of like, oh, I've got a sword through me, but I'm still alive, and they bring me back. But there's people mm-hmm. who like die on panel, <laughs> and they are still in it to win it, everyone. Because comics. Because yeah, comics. Because it's comics. Because it's comics. Com- mm-hmm. And and speaking of comics, I hope that uh, when you talk to uh, Professor Maya, that he goes into the long and sordid history of the actual Omega Men. Because th- the original idea of Omega Men has nothing to do with this book. <laughs> they they have they have a couple of the same character names and a little bit of their design features, but these characters are not the same. These are not your grandma's Omega Men people. The the, the one that's the the two that are the closest are um, Brute and Tigor. Everyone else is 
vastly different. I am brute. I really did feel like I was reading, like, isn't this Guardians of the Galaxy? No, it's not. No, no it's not Guardians of the Galaxy, but it's both. And, yeah. and this uh, Omega Man is kind of a riff off of Guardians of the Galaxy, because the Omega Man didn't come around until, like, the 80s, where mm-hmm. the, um, the original Guardians of the Galaxy were in, like, the, I think, late 60s, maybe early 70s. So, really, they're just your poor man's Guardians. Yeah, I mean, this, but this is still a fun book, and it's, it's, a, it's a different version of the Guardians of the Galaxy. But yes, so if you would like to read it yourself, this is I where would. we take a pause, um, and uh, and then uh, we go desperately research, um, you know, the Omega Men, the real life thing. Because I haven't talked to Maya yet this month because he's been busy and I just, you know, it's been holidays and whatnot. So maybe I will have to go and record a segment with him just to get all the backstory of the Omega Men. That's if he's read it. Because I'm not gonna lie, I've been a little underwhelmed by him in the past episodes. Okay, well then, would you like to tell us about the... <laughs> no, no. I, what I'm saying is, is that if he's going to come in and talk about the history of the book, he might have tried to have read it first. 10 for well, that, what? That, no tea, no shade, no pink lemonade, I'm just saying. I, uh, <laughs> if you're going to come in and comment, you might want to read it first. I smell what you're stepping in, but my question for you is this. Yes. What information about the history, not this current book, but the backstory of the Omega Men could you give us? So like the like the original Omega Men were in the eighties and they were they were connected to the, the original Green Lantern. Um, well not original, we're Silver Age again. We're talking DC Universe, so you know there's lots of different incarnations. But um the Vega system, which is uh, parred down to just five—is it five or six worlds? In the, in this book, um, mm-hmm. used to be like a twenty-five, um, a twenty-five solar system, twenty-five planet solar system, which included um, the Tamarinians, who uh, their most uh, famous character is Starfire, who we met in um, Teen Titans, and her brother was uh, a later member of the of the Omega Men. Um, there were a, a bunch of a, a bunch of different characters. So like a lot of the like diverse characters that we see here were all sort of based on um, other characters that were in like previous incarnations of the Omega Men. Um, and the, like it used to be called the Spider Empire, which was the empire that they used to try to, to defeat. Um, but it really kind of all um, still kind of was around this whole thing of um, the Green Lanterns weren't allowed in the Vegas system, so they kind of like ruled themselves, but they were all, it was still all kind of like, it's kind of like New Frontier kind of thing, where it's like these people just kind of like run themselves, and that, you know, so they're all trying to fight for their own um, independence kind of a thing. Um, and the, you know, warrior worlds and all all kind of stuff. Um, but uh, there there have been many, many incarnations, so like there was the original 80s, and then there was um, the second volume that happened in the mid 2000s, and then this latest one that happened in the in the late 2000s. The the second one that happened was um, during the I believe it was the new 52. Yeah, so it was the new 52 version, and then and then the, um, then they rebooted it again when they did Rebirth or whatever this latest mm-hmm. um, uh-huh. incarnation is or. Whatever and it, DC like their continuity gets iffy for me. Um, but uh, the all of the characters that appear in this book, except for Scraps, I believe Scraps is the only one that they made for this book, um, are all based on previous members. Um, changed ha- a lot, um, but like their basic kind of look is there as I. Uh, previously said, uh, Tigor and Brute are the ones that are the closest to their um, original um, characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they they were always sort of like the, the like the cosmic team that always got involved in all of the cosmic crossovers. And um, another another thing, which is a sort of a running joke in this book. Um, you know, spoiler. Uh, it was, although we kind of talked about it in our thing, lots of people died. Like, just mm-hmm. people just die all the time, um, kind of a thing, because, you know, they are in a, a giant war. 
Well, so with that background information, and if you would like to go back and read the book, um, this is the time which you pause, and then you'll hear a lovely recording of a robot lady telling you all the things that I'm going to forget to tell you. But yeah, so here's your chance to pause, and we will talk to you on the flip side, and it's time for Q to drink. Raspberry! <laughs> if you have yet to read this week's book, and would like to read it now, press pause. Go ahead. We'll wait. And uh, we have returned, so it's time for Q. <laughs> Great, more of me talking, which I'm sure well, everyone loves. We do, and this this has become your calling in life, uh, because you're way better at it than I am. We have found uh, it. There are many callings in life for Q, other than the lightning round. And I, and I think this is another one, because this is more of a maxi series, it's uh, 12 issues, that mm-hmm. we're going to preface it with, I'm going to try to hit on a lot of main plot points, and you guys obviously jump in, but there's still a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot that happens in this. Yeah, it's, it's a lot- deep book. Yeah, yeah, it, it's and it's very dense, which is pretty cool. Um, they talk later in like the sort of notes in the end. I mean, Tom King did a great job at really reimagining this entire star system and what the different worlds brought to the table and their cultures. And it, I mean, it's a really, really dense book. Um, so I'm gonna try to hit on main plot points, um, but again. If you do decide to read this, uh, there's a lot more that goes on. Lightning round begins now. So we're introduced. A person is brought in front of a television camera and um, is assassinated on live sort of intergalactic television. You find out that it is Kyle Rayner, who at this point is the White Lantern. Um, He has mastered all seven of the uh, lantern rings and emotions and has brought them all together into one power. So he's kind of like the most powerful kind of thing. And they kill him on, on live sort of TV. You then find out that these Omega Men are sort of wanted terrorists and fugitives of the Vega system, which uh, compromises in this book of four, five, six, six. Yeah, so there's six worlds. So they kill Kyle Rayner, and then they are trying to, you know, fight their way out of, you know, wherever they are. And then at the end, you find out that Kyle still is alive, and they keep referring to him as the bomb. Like, like the bomb, like back in the nineties. Yeah, because <laughs> he's the bomb. Listen, he was made in 1994. He is the bomb. Then you are introduced to the antagonist of this book, the Viceroy, who has come to Ojiptus, which is one of the worlds, um, to uh, get penance for the fact that all of these soldiers died, and they're implanting something in Kyle Rayner's neck. Um, he's being held hostage. They then steal a ship from, from the Viceroy, and they are on their way to the Princess Callista, who is of uh, Euphorics, and um, they kidnap her as well. And so then they have these two captives that they're trying to turn into members. But then you find out that Callista actually is just pretending and that she's actually the leader of the Omega Men. More political intrigue. They're trying to persuade Kyle Rayner to join their cause. We're then introduced to Brute's homeworld, which is sort of a corrupt religious society. Shocker. Wait, religions are corrupt? Uh, They get this thing called the Key of Alpha. Again, drink Alpha and Omega. So they're captured. Um, They remove what they think is the bomb out of Kyle Rayner's neck when really it's just a tracker for... um, team members dock and scraps to find them. Um, they're rescued, blast their way out of there. So then they go to the next world. You think that everyone else is dead at this point, except for Callista and Kyle, when really she's just trying to manipulate him into joining the cause. Um, they escape the world, only to find out that the rest of the Omega Men are on the are on the flight with them. The only person who actually died is Brute, who died getting them the key of Alpha. Poor Brute. So then you find out that Scraps is the only survivor of the last world of lore, 
and Doc is the one who massacred everyone on that planet. Fucked up! And you find out that um, Tigor was actually raised by the Viceroy. Also fucked up. Kyle Rayner decides that they're gonna go talk in front of, like, this intergalactic kind of Senate thing, very Star Wars. During this transmission, Callista has Doc blow up Lore. So, really what you find out is that um, the Vega system has Stellarium, which is a stabilizing force for all planets, which could have even, in fact, saved Krypton, and all planets want to get their hands on this to make sure that their planet doesn't become the next Krypton. So what the Viceroy did is pretty much sell out Lore, saying that, okay, sorry, all of you people have to die, but, you know, we need this stuff to save, you know, the trillions upon trillions of people in the entire universe. And the Omega Men are like, no, our lives matter too. Yeah, all lives matter, my ass. Um, so, um, Kyle gets his ring back, he then becomes the Omega Lantern, and, uh, cause he can't just be the White Lantern anymore, cause that's dumb. It's like every Batman movie, he has to have, like, the new outfit and the new, like, you know, thing to do or they can't make action figures. Well, it was after Labor Day, so... Yeah. <laughs> it was after Labor Day, and we all know that Serial Mom would have come after him. God, I love that movie. <laughs> um, so then they start the, you know, the like this big war across the entire Vega system, um, and the Omega Men are definitely winning because they, you know, use all of their contacts that you've seen throughout the the story to um, sort of get everyone on board. And then they, they finally get to the Viceroy. Um, Kyle is saying, hey, you know, you know, we have to bring him to trial. Well, Calissa's like, oh, fuck that, I'm going to kill him anyway. So then at the end, everyone's sort of, you know, disheartened and really you don't know if what they did was what was for the best. Everyone seems a little more battle-hardened and whatever, and to be honest, in my opinion, it seems like Callista was really just trying to buy her her own, to get her own political power, because now she kind of rules the entire Vega system, and um, Kyle comes back to Earth and is sort of left with this foreboding feeling of what he's just done in space. Did I miss anything? Ma like major. That was pretty uh, good. That seems no, like a that lot was, of it. That was good. God, cool. What was that like? Twenty-four minutes of me t talking. <laughs> it wasn't actually. <laughs> I can't remember which one we did, but there was one of them that I had to do it twice because I ran out of music that I'd edited the first time around. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. It was like, and then we get round two. I think I, 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 I <laughs> so We'll see if we find a book that's so in-depth that we have to go three rounds. We'll see if that oh works out. Oh, my gosh. It's, honestly, it'd probably be this one because there's st still, like, so much that goes on in this book. Yeah, that, that's the most, I think, the most Cliff Notes version of a synopsis we've ever done because this, I mean, this book is... Deep. I mean, there's so much going on. There's, you know, there's so much intrigue and political machinations, and you know, mm -hmm. finding out like, oh god, you guys are fucked up. Like, you know, you're because the, the whole thing is the they're they're painting the Omega Men as, you know, are they terrorists or are they like, freedom fighters? And there's a very mm -hmm. fine line in between that. And you know, you're you're never really too sure what's to do until they get to rule. And it's like, oh, by the way, the Viceroy killed seven billion people. And you're like, well, fuck that. But then it goes to the whole. Yeah, but it's to save trillions of people. You're like, oh, well, I can kind of see why, you know, you sacrificed a few. And the Viceroy did give them the option to relocate to other worlds, and they said no. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then you find out they're doing it all for the money, too. So it's like, it, there's no there's no really good guy here. I mean, there's people you can kind of root for, but everyone is very much in the gray area of being a villain and a hero. There's no, like, clear guy. Even Kyle Rayner, he, there's points where he does things that he would normally go against, but he's doing it, again, for that greater good, so. Well, what he thinks is the greater good, I mean, and by the end, you really get the feeling that he's not sure if he did what was what was right. Right, because when he's sitting, I think, like he's sitting back on Earth talking to, who is he talking to? Someone. And they're kind Some of going dude. through what everyone's done, like, you know, all, all his other Omega Men have now gone back and pretty much done some very horrible things and you're like well yeah they were they were terrorists but then you're like oh but they were saving people and it just goes back and forth and it's it's definitely a heady read um and i would recommend you know i i read it all in one day uh, if i would have gone back and known what i was getting into i probably would have spaced it out maybe three <laughs> or four issues a day <laughs> and, and going through it i just i didn't i had no clue going in 
what was going to be entailing of this tale. <laughs> yeah, it is very dense. Um, and that's not a bad thing. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not disparaging the book at all. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just go in, like, you know, maybe we should put a warning at the beginning. This is a very heavy book. Read in small doses. Uh, I had a thought, I mean, I was going to ask, um, we've now read two books by, by Tom King, both of which that he has adapted from previously existing storylines and sort of reinvented them to a certain extent. We have the vision, we have obviously this uh, book, The Omega Men. Does anybody have any thoughts as to what makes him successful or unsuccessful at doing those? Like, what stuff does he accomplish that we don't necessarily always see in the reinventions and other things as, in, you know, maybe in movies or uh, television shows I or mean, things like that? He seems to be a very cerebral writer where there's a lot of thought that goes into a lot of his stuff and his characters seem to be very smart. There's like a... He definitely seems very smart himself, but isn't like the guy who wrote uh, um, oh, Hick- uh, Hickman. Hickman. No, no, no. What, was that the guy who wrote the the, the other terrorist book that we yeah, read? It's, uh, he wrote the uh, Nightly News. Yeah, the Nightly News one, yeah. where yeah. that guy felt the need to poke it in your face that look how smart I am. Mm-hmm. This doesn't come off that way. And another thing, you can also kind of tell that this guy, Tom King, is a fan of comics, because he's going back and bringing stories um, back to the forefront that, you know, people have either forgotten about, um, he's, again, putting a little little twist on them, and um, still having his own unique thing to say, but bringing out those old ideas, so you have that sort of familiar familiarity of the previous book, but then it's like, oh, well, this is new and interesting. Because, you know, as we were kind of talking before, like, the Omega Men were pretty much just the Guardians of the Galaxy, but, you know, di- you know DC's version. DC. And, um, you know, the Vision, he it was definitely a story that had been told before with the Vision, mm-hmm. but it was Vision's next step of, okay, well, I did the wife and kids part, but what if I add more things that I feel as though I could control, which are the robotic wife and kids that can, um, you know, and will this then turn out to be better? So I, I, I think I think that's, uh, he's definitely trying to um, put his own spin and own take on on these old things, and and to be honest, so, I mean, he also is, uh, and I'll shut up in a minute, I promise. Um, <laughs> he also has a story that he wants to tell, and he knows where it's going to start, where it's going to go, and where it's going to end. So, mm-hmm. like, even the vision that was just, you know, a what ten issues or however, you know, however many of the two mm-hmm. trades were. He knew what he wanted to say. He said it, and it was done. The Omega Men twelve issue series. He knew what he wanted to say. He said it, and then he's done. Um, he's not like, okay, well, I'm just going to throw out this a nebulous idea, and we're just going to try to see how long it can run. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, he already knows what he wants to do, um, which, in my opinion, I prefer better, which is like the um, American sitcom versus the British television show, yeah. where it's like, it, it's a series. They have the overarching thing that they want to tell, and then it's done, and then, you know, two years later, if the, someone comes up with another idea, they'll do it, whereas American television is... Okay, well, let's just see how long this thing goes. So what you're looking for, to sum that up, is all killer, no filler. Well, sure. I, don't know. I wouldn't go that far, though. I, I, huh. I did enjoy this a lot, but I think it could have been told in less than 12 issues. And I don't disagree. I, I think that some of the stuff could have been parred down. Yeah, and the one thing it does that annoys me to no end, so um, there was a movie that came out uh, last year called Bridge of Spies, which was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it was a great movie. I liked that movie. And... The one, the one thing I like to see in movies, but I despise in comic books, is when your character or you're watching something or you're reading something where it's these aliens there and they're speaking some language and they're not translating it. Like, that doesn't add to the experience. Now, in a movie, it did because you can experience, like, so Tom Hanks is in, uh, I think it was Russia, or no, Germany. It was not West Germany. Yeah, it was Germany. And, um, all the people around him were speaking uh, German, and he didn't, so he had no clue what was going on. But you're experiencing things from that character's point of view, whereas, you know, the first issue of this one was just, ugh, it annoyed the crap out of me because you have all these aliens speaking, you know, their little language, and then saying, oh, Viceroy, or Alpha, or Omega, and that doesn't, for me, add to the story because I don't care. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not there. It's, like, it's not as if Kyle Rayner was there trying to understand what was happening because he wasn't. It was just, you know, the Viceroy and other people talking, and... For me, you didn't need that. Now, maybe that's nitpicky, but I've always had that kind of a pet peeve in this comic did it. Now, we did one other one where did it too, and I can't remember we, now. We did another one, and also there's, um, uh, it happens in Firefly too, where they have mm-hmm. like those Chinese things. But 
in in my opinion, if they're not translating it for you, it means that whatever they're saying really doesn't matter. Or so then my is, point is, don't don't have it. You know. Well, but but uh, they, they, like they have to be speaking. They have to be saying something. And if what they're saying doesn't necessarily matter, it's sort it's sort of like when um you know there's a, a, a crowd of people in a movie. You don't need to hear everything that everybody says. Um, and I, I think that's what it is. Unfortunately, it's a you know a written medium. It's not a you know a moving thing. Um, right. And don't don't get me wrong. Like when um, X Men comics for a while, um, you know, before I stopped reading them, did that with foreign languages and people like, for example, Colossus was just talking Russian, and I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm not fucking Google translating this. Mm-hmm. Like, I need to, you know, if you're going to have him say something, then I need to know what it is. Whereas, like, this book didn't bother me, because obviously I was like, oh, good, the cannon fodder's talking. Yeah, well, and it was only the, it was only really in the first issue, and then it had the uh, the interesting editing for the swear words later on that uh-huh. were doing that. So, but, but for me, I guess I guess the reason why it, it took me about three issues to, uh, issues to get into it um, is I, I'm coming to this as a complete virgin to the Lanterns. Like I didn't mm-hmm. even see the movie because it was I heard it was a piece of shit. I didn't want to go see yeah. it. Uh, so <laughs> it I mean, was I a piece of shit. People are really harsh on it. It was. It, I mean, it was not the best movie by any means, but it also wasn't a giant turd either. Well, I mean, it's, 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 it's not. It's not uh, Fantastic Four, but it's also not. You know. Um, well, I, I did. I did see the scene with the Hot Wheels commercial. Though that was kind of cute. Um, <laughs> no, but see, I'm coming in as a complete virgin here, and so. You know, I've heard the name Kyle Rayner. Of course, I know who the Green Lantern Corps are. I, I, uh-huh. I know there's the different lanterns, the green, the white, the red, you know, the, the different emotions. So the first couple issues were very difficult for me because there's this whole universe that if I'm coming to, to experience this for the first time without that backstory, I have no clue what's going on. Now, to give this book credit is later on, Kyle Rayner explains how he became the White Lantern, what happened, how it was all just chance, and how, you know, even though... It was chance he became that lantern. He still made the choice later on to go out and try to save people and do things. So for me, I loved that because it gave me that backstory I was looking for. Now, I would have liked to have had that a little bit earlier so I could have dove in a little bit harder. But um, again, so that's kind of the, the, the pro and con for me was if you're brand new to especially the Green Lantern universe, uh, you're going to feel left out and lost for the first little bit. But if you stick with it, it does finally explain itself and then turns into a very rich and engrossing narrative. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I didn't think about that because, like, I, I'll be honest, when I picked up this book, I didn't even realize that there was a lantern in it. I thought it was interesting that on the cover it looked like a Green Lantern, but it wasn't the Green Lantern logo. But I also had read the uh, the um, the White Lantern um, storyline, the whole uh, Blackest Night or Brightest Day, Blackest Night. Run that so they did forever. Yeah, they did Blackest Night. I think then Brightest Day was the the second trade, wasn't it? Or so, well, I mean, it was like I read like the whole series. Like, I started with uh, with uh, Rebirth and read through the entire thing. Was really annoyed by the end, but that's a totally different issue. Um, that's, <laughs> that's a different comic and and something like the way that some people are annoyed at the a Green Lantern movie. I was annoyed by those comics because I felt like. It, you you need just a basic knowledge of color theory to know exactly what's going to fucking happen. So you know, get to the point and get on with your lives. But that's a totally get different issue. Get on with it. Yeah. So um, my opinion on that was nobody cares. So um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So I, I didn't really I didn't even think about the Green Lantern core being a base of knowledge. Like it, having read those books, it didn't add a whole ton to it. You know what I mean? I just I knew the, I knew the character of Kyle Rayner. And I knew what Green Lanterns. Yeah, I knew they basically were space cops. I mean, that's that's the basically power what I of imagination. Yeah, it's, it's sorry. Not, I, I've never gotten into the lanterns. Now, this this did make me enjoy the lanterns more, but I just a buddy of mine is heads over head over heels for Green Lantern. And I just I've never seen it. But that's again a discussion for a different time. It is. Um, and which, like, like to be honest, this book doesn't. You don't really, you don't really need to know anything about the Green Lanterns. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, as long as you know that you know they're a sort of space cops. That's really yeah. all you need to know going into yeah. this. There's really no other thing that goes in it. I mean, I know later he talks about you know there's like the seven seven different emotions and you know there, he like has the different colors that kind of come and go with like the different creations that he makes, but. Mm-hmm. 
it's kind of like mm, nobody cares. You don't. He doesn't. You don't need to know any of that kind of stuff. Um, you know, it's not. It's not like that. You have to like know who Carol Ferris is to know that you know he's had this ex girlfriend who obviously has died. Because guess what, Kyle Rayner, you're the one who invented fridging women. So, <laughs> like, you know, you don't really need to know any of that stuff. Um, I think. I honestly think that Kyle Rayner was brought into this book by Tom King to sort of give it the more superhero in for people, whereas, mm-hmm. um, you know, the rest of the stuff, uh, not, you know, none of the rest of that stuff matters. Like, there's no, no other thing that you need to know about the DC universe in general to, to be involved in this book. Well, well Todd, what, what are your thoughts? You haven't said a whole ton yet. I've not said a lot. The, um... You know, I think I'd like to talk about the art a little bit in this regard. And what's been a lot of fun is it's a DC book. It's DC branded as much as anything else. So it's not like a side imprint or anything. Because even like Constantine often is in Vertigo. So Mm -hmm. it really is a pure DC title. And yet, you take a look at the art and the coloring and everything else. And it's really not your typical... DC kind of work, even though, I mean, art styles change from artist to artist, but yet it still kind of has this far-off place kind of feel Mm -hmm. going on to it. And they've done a great job with that. So, I mean, you get the Lantern logo as that comes in and out, and how it's riff on the Omega Men, I thought, was a little on the nose, but a lot of fun at the same time. Mm -hmm. And that was really good. I mean, the story is as deep as you want it to be. Callista is a four-letter word, but I seem to like her anyways. So, and I find that really hard to do. And I think what Tom King really does well is he has characters within much dimensions. Like sometimes you can be disgusted by them, but at the same time fascinated and wanted to keep reading. Mm-hmm. And I really think that's one of his largest traits as a. Uh, he was saying earlier he is quite the thinker and you take a look at this and he's really thought things through you can tell he's got a quite the outline he has got mm-hmm. set up before diving into it and the fact and then he follows it pretty well so he's got stuff here and there but he doesn't go off on strange tangents and then after you read that going why did I read this part why did that matter mm-hmm. so some things could be a bit tighter Adam was saying he's got some things there but at the same time it's it adds color to it with his writing and everything else and I understand why you really like Tom King Tom King's really pretty good Sheriff of Babylon is filled with characters there you go these are despicable people and yet they're in the situation they're trying to get things done and if I was in that situation would I be any better I don't think mm-hmm. I would Mm-hmm. So, I guess as much as anything as the dimness of humanity is there, but it's still there. And I really enjoy that. So, go Tom. I really like this book. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, I mean, that's sort of a good review. Do you have anything else for a final review you want to add to that? Um, yeah, read it twice. <laughs> No, I'm not kidding. You read it the first time. I think I really like starting to understand it, but this thing definitely warrants read it again. And then you're like, oh, okay. And it's deep enough and there's enough in there. It's, it's very worthwhile. So Mm -hmm. read it twice. So yeah. And the being that 12 issue and the whole thing is all in one book. It's awesome. So yeah. Yeah. And the one thing that I don't I don't know if anyone caught this, maybe it's just me, my mm-hmm. mind being weird, but the scene where uh, they're they're the little gathering and you know, Doc's on the planet is gonna blow it up and mm-hmm. she's like, Are you threatening me? She's like, I'm not threatening you and then it just the planet blow up. It really reminded me of the end of uh the of Watchmen with Doctor Manhattan mm-hmm. uh, with Ozymandias and everything mm-hmm. else. She's like well, well, I won't give the end of that away. That's a different story. But it had the exact same feel. It's like, oh no, I'm not threatening you. This has already been done, and we're we're through with this now. So yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I'm I'm right with you in that sense that it's uh, as I mentioned before, it is a very dense book. I do want to go through and read it again because I think if mm-hmm. I and again I want to break it down, like I said, and do it over multiple days because there's just too much to kind of take in all at once. 
Uh, I would love, love, love for them to do, for DC Animation to take this book and do mm-hmm. a good two-hour movie out of it um, and make it make it as dark as the book is. You know, don't, they, they proved, you know, for better or for worse, we talked about this already, they, they weren't afraid to make an R-rated movie with Killing Joke. You know, let's mm-hmm. look, you can make an R-rated cartoon uh, and, I mean, not so much for you know, sex or language, but it's definitely a lot more violent than I thought. Uh, you know, I always guess... You know, Marvel has their max titles, and you know, uh-huh. you read Image or you read Vertigo, and you're you're used to seeing the more violence. So, uh, again, not for the DC I've read, it's been made like you know, Long Halloween and uh, other Batman and Superman titles. So I've you know, it's 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 kind of PG PG thirteen. So I wasn't really expecting it to come across as mature as it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but they weren't afraid. To, they didn't pull punches. I mean, there's like, mm-hmm. hey, we're gonna show you, we're gonna kill seven billion people, and we're gonna show you what it looks like, mm-hmm. um, and that's. I'll give them major props for for not shying away from mature content without being like it wasn't hyper violent. It wasn't like watching Mortal Kombat. It was like no, you're in a war zone. This it was like watching Saving Private Ryan. This is what a war looks uh-huh. like. Um, but yeah, I would love to see this brought to life and and see maybe a, a series out of it or even like I said like a, some animation. But no, I read it. It's really really good. Just go in knowing it's it's not something you're gonna want to tear through. You want to take your time. Um, and then when you're done with it, go back and read it again, like Todd said. And since we're all kind of reviews, uh, and before we get too far ahead, what are either of you guys drinking with this? I'll jump in with mine. I'm I'm doing an older drink uh, called the Ray Gun. Um, it's uh, I, I got it from a few different places, but it's, it shows up in a, a few. Like, there's like a space themed uh, uh-huh. like 50s cocktail book, which this came from. Uh, but it's actually a pretty simple little uh, cocktail. It's a half a shot of chartreuse, uh, which gives you the green, um, three quarters of shots um, of blue caracao, and then you top the rest off with champagne. Uh, so you just pour the two liqueurs into a chilled flute glass, and uh, you top with champagne, and uh, boom, you have a, a nice little uh, space ag ray gun cocktail. Todd, what do you got? Uh, mine's a martini-based drink, and it's um, I call it the White Heat, and it's got a, a Sky Infusions ginger vodka in it, an ounce and a half of that, a half ounce of pepper, and then three quarters of an ounce of lime juice and agave nectar. And then you put in some candied ginger with that, and you um, shake the shit out of that, and you put it in a chilled martini glass. I call it the White Heat, so it's a, like a white citrusy drink to going right here in honor with the White Lantern. Cool. Uh, Q, what drink do you have for this? Uh, mine is called the Alpha and Omega. It See, is... that would be my title. That's why I'm glad I went last. <laughs> <laughs> it is one and a half ounces of sherry, one ounce of mandarin orange or tangerine juice, mm-hmm. half ounce of Contreau, fourth ounce of St. Elizabeth Allspice, and then um, a mandarin orange or tangerine twist. Uh, you fill a glass with ice. You put all the stuff in the shaker. Shake the shit out of it. And it says to, <laughs> it says to actually do it for 30 seconds. That way it gets nice and frosty. Mm-hmm. And then pour it into the glass and garnish with fruit. Okay, Adam. What's your cocktail okay, called? So we'll call mine the Omega Lantern. Okay. Uh, because it's, it's <laughs> powerful enough to knock your head off. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's kind of more of a, of a take off of a, a Long Island. Uh, I know I kind of I've done a couple, but for me, when I go out, that's kind of what I get because you can get two or three of them, and that's all you need. You don't need to buy a bunch of drinks. Uh, but it's a little bit different. It kind of mixes it up between a Long Island and an Adios. Uh, so you got an ounce of uh, vodka, gin, uh, well one ounce of each: vodka, gin, white rum, white tequila, uh, and then uh, blue curacao, an ounce of lime juice. Uh, shake the shit out of it, and then. Normally you top this off with Sprite, but instead you do use normal cola, so you kind of get bittersweet. Uh, but it's nice because instead of using the uh, sweet and sour mix you normally would use, or the uh, triple sack, you're using the blue curacao instead. So it kind of gives it um, kind of an all all the colors mixed together kind of look. So, Q, what are your final thoughts on the book? Um, I will agree with Adam where I think there are some parts in the middle that we could definitely speed up. Like I think the um, over, I think uh, the over manip- manipulation of Callista of Kyle, they didn't need to have that whole like sex part of it. Like, it was a nice kind of break in the book where they both kind of told their origins, but I didn't necessarily think that they needed that she needed to like that super emotional manipulation of him because I think like just telling her origin story and maybe the origins of other characters and then even taking him later to Vlor where, you know, there's just a, a planet of graves would be mm-hmm. enough. Um, 
But I mean, she is def definitely a bitch. Um, she, she's, she has got what it is that she wants to do, and she's getting it done. I, I, I did enjoy the book. Um, I thought that um, it was also very. Uh, it, it, it kind of go along with our theme, like everything seemed kind of final, because you know, again, people died all the time, but you know, then they kept coming back, the fuckers. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But like, you felt like, okay, this is balls to the wall. If people die, people die. If you, and I think Callista kind of says it. If you can still get up, pick up a gun and fight. Like, mm -hmm. we're we're doing this until you know our goal is met. Um, and you know, it was just it, it was very interesting. Again, I, um, you don't. At, at least in my opinion, you don't need to have a lot of backstory, even in like the DC universe in general. I mean, the sort of references to the rest of the stuff I think are fairly common knowledge. I mean, do you, do you just know that there is a thing called a Green Lantern? Do you know what <laughs> what Krypton is and that it exploded? Um, other than that, I mean, there's not really any other kind of backstory you need. It's kind of just a self-contained political you know kind of upfront cult political terrorist story I don't have a whole lot to add other than it hasn't been said already I mean I really enjoyed this book I thought it was fun I do agree mm -hmm. you probably want to take your time to read it um, you may want to read it twice to get all the details out of there um, and having a little background on the Green Lanterns is fun but not necessarily completely required um, I think it would actually make a fun animated movie I actually kind of think it would be a fun live action movie in fact I think it might be a really good way for the DC film universe to actually reintroduce the Green Lanterns actually, um, and not have it be have it be the, the previous movie that didn't do so well. Just keep um, Zack Snyder away from it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> well, that's that's gonna be a problem with a lot of DC stuff. But uh, another book that we all enjoyed. We're we're getting pretty good at finding books that we all enjoy. Um, do we have any recommendations? Um, I will start with mine. Um, the other day uh, when I was back in Utah on uh, TV, they were doing a marathon of um, uh, uh, American Ninja Warrior, which my wife had never seen the Japanese version of it, um, uh, which is just Ninja Warrior. So we showed her that, and then we were talking, my mom and I was talking about the weird Japanese shows that I'd made her watch, and Most Extreme Elimination Challenge came up. So of course I had to go looking for it. Oh, this and, is amazing. Uh, for those of you who love that joke, because those love that show, um, it is actually available on iTunes. You can actually buy each season for about ten bucks, and that's what I watched on the airplane home for uh, a fair amount of my trip. For those of you who don't know it, the, it it's basically a Japanese version of the game uh, Wipeout, um, where it's a bunch of different things. But what they do on Most Extreme Elimination Challenge is is that they basically fake translate um, what's being said, and they make up things. And so, like you know. Rather than it, I mean, they'll make up and say that it's like you know, uh, the voice actors guild versus the, the the you know the meat industry or whatever, and they make up a bunch of you know joke names of stuff like that, and and that's where a lot of the humor comes from. Aside from watching crazy Japanese people do horrible things, um, and it just <laughs> popped into my head. But if you want to see something kind of similar, um, it's an odd. Most people don't know about it, um, but it's one of my. It's a movie I love dearly. Um, there's a movie called What's Up Tiger Lily. Which is actually a um, uh, what's the neurotic Japanese or not Japanese New York filmmaker Jewish New York filmmaker Woody um, Allen Woody Allen Woody, Woody Allen. Allen actually wrote this film and what he did is he took a Japanese spy film and then redubbed it with his own dialogue and it's hilarious. Um, uh, <laughs> so those are two things I would recommend checking out. Adam, do you have any uh, recommendations? Yeah, so this this is going to come up across as kind of weird, just being the, the huge Star Wars fan that I am. Um, I never watched the Clone Wars TV series. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, obviously with, with Star Wars, uh, Rogue One being out in theaters and, you know, actually, maybe that was one of my best films of last year. And then going back and catching up on Rebels, which is the new TV series, I was like, you know, I need to, I finally need to watch this. We were hanging out with some friends um, on New Year's and uh, just they, he was one of the guys, our friend Lee was going off, but uh -huh. all these different parts. I'm like, I, I got to see this because there's, there's so much here. I started watching it, and I'm, I'm a couple episodes in because I, I just don't have time right now, you know, with Sundance and everything else. Um, but I will say it's the, the Attack of the Clones is my least favorite Star Wars movie of all time, so it's a little bit dubious going into this era of this story taking place in the same time. Uh, it is amazingly well done. It's incredibly dark. I mean, there are scenes where people are like, they're, these droids are attacking escape pods and blowing people out into space, and you're watching like, you know 
people die like being suffocated in space. I'm like, this is built for kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, and apparently that's like the nice stuff. There's there's crazier and worse things to come, but it really does lay more of the background for how Anakin started turning to become Darth Vader and everything else. So if you're a Star Wars fan, I'm sure you've seen the Clone Wars and you're probably yelling at your, your phone <laughs> or whatever you're listening to us on right now. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? But... I'm late to the game, but it's all free on Netflix. They just did a deal with Disney, so you can start seeing more Star Wars stuff. <clears throat> but yeah, it's it's free to watch, and I'm loving every second of it. So yeah, and I was after talking about it, I was looking at doing that as well. So if it happens between episodes two and three in the, the original episodes two and three, is that where that's supposed to take place? Yeah. So it, okay. it starts uh, after the events of two, uh, where we know who General Grievous is. We know Count Dooku's a bad guy, uh, but we still don't know who anything about Palpatine yet. We're you know we the audience know, but the characters don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And there's you know it's you get to see Yoda be a badass. Uh, it's really cool because they start introducing characters that have now tied into the Rebels, the people that were in like Star Wars, uh, the uh, Rogue One. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of tying the whole universe together with the new movies coming out, but it's. Again, if you're a Star Wars fan, I'm sure you've seen it. But uh, if you haven't for some reason or you've been holding off, it's jump in with both feet. It's really cool. I, I will say this, too. On, in Rogue One, when uh, Jimmy Smith showed up, I was like, oh, I like that for some reason got me really excited because I'm like, oh, that ties into like that was like the weird little bridge yeah. between the prequels and that. That uh-huh. for some reason that made me really happy well, in and, a really and, weird uh, way. The Mon Mothma in Rogue One is the same actress from Revenge of the Sith. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, yeah, that's right. Yeah. But, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, there's if you go back and watch, especially Rebels, there's Rebels characters that are mentioned and seen in Rogue One. So mm-hmm. that's really fun. But yeah, it's there's tons of Easter eggs there. But yeah, Star Wars fans go have fun. And also, if you're not reading the comics, read Darth Vader. Just wraps the 25 series mm-hmm. issue run, uh, and that's the story between New Hope and Empire. Like so, and it's, it's uh, written by Karen Gillian, who uh, yes. did um, uh, Wicked and the Divine, which we loved. Yeah, it's, and it's it's the Darth Vader series is one of my favorite comics I've ever read. So go. The murder droids are my favorite things in Star Wars. Oh God, yes, they're so amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically an evil version of R two D two and C three PO, and they get really disappointed when they don't get to kill people. Yes, like, they're just so bummed. It's amazing. So nice. that's me. Cool, Todd. Do you have any recommendations? I do. So my lovely wife for Christmas this year decided a fly swatter wasn't enough so what she got me is called a bug assault Mm -hmm. and it's a little pump action shotgun that you throw table salt into Mm -hmm. and then you fire table salt at all the spiders and flies in your house and you kill them with a gun and if you miss it's just pulverized salt so your house doesn't really care okay i may need to get that for my wife because my wife hates spiders to the point where uh, I put it in my wedding vows that I would kill spiders for her. That's but right. I think she would love to have a gun to kill we spiders. We discussed that yesterday. Gun. Yes, we did. <laughs> yeah, yes, we yeah, did. Yeah. But it's bug a salt is what bug it's called. Bug a salt. Yeah, because we're using table salt. Yeah, and all over it's like, do not point at people's face. Do not shoot other people. And it, but it kills flies and bees and spiders and whatnot. So oh, and it's it's on Amazon. I'm, I just found oh, yeah. it now. Yeah, the thing's kind of awesome. So you totally do it. It's great. So yes, bug assault. It's awesome. Okay, That's my recommendation. Awesome. Uh, Q, do you have any recommendations? Um, I would just say if you were really that intrigued by all of this to go back and read the original Omega Men stuff, um, it's definitely not as deep or as dark. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, it's still good, fun space stuff. Um, a little more closely tied in with the actual DC universe, because um, they usually appeared in uh, big crossovers. Um, also, if you really liked Kyle Rayner, you know, look up some uh, mm-hmm. Kyle Rayner stuff, the whole White Lantern thing, mm-hmm. his original introduction to the Green Lantern, where, which is where uh, Fridging Women comes from. Yeah. Um, Poor, poor, um, is it uh, Alexandra DeWitt? Is his mm-hmm. ill-fated yeah. girlfriend who gets shoved into a refrigerator? Um, you know, no, no specific like you know like volumes or issues, but you know, uh, I, I, again, I kind of hit on this um, in you know our recent episode of of uh, Infinity Gauntlet. Comic books sometimes you just need to sort of respect and go back to you know where they've come from. You know, we wouldn't have all of the cool new 
hip stuff that we're more fond of reading here on this show without some of the groundwork of the the classic stuff being written so you know is it you know if you have that real modern sensibility are you necessarily going to enjoy it no but it's also like going back and watching you know a 1930s movie is it going to be you know to your sensibilities no but is it still worth watching i think so Sounds good. Uh, so next week we are doing um, Mutant Genesis, correct? Mm-hmm. Which, Q, I believe this is your recommendation, and let's be honest, you're our X-Men expert around here. So would you like to give us a heads up as to what we're going to encounter um, next week? So this is 1991, um, the like most popular like comic book, quote-unquote, of all time, um, X-Men number one by Chris Claremont and Jim Lee. Um so, in the X-Men universe, which we kind of talked about when we did Infinity Gauntlet, the, like, the X-Men, X-Factor, like, they were just all over, so this is the X-Men all coming back together, all moving back into, um, the X-Mansion, splitting into two, um, teams, the, the blue team and the gold team, and, um, really becoming the X-Men, um, again. Uh, so, like, this first arc in the book, um, sort of is them all coming back together and them training and then the return of Magneto who um, had sort of left after his stint in the Savage Land and um, yeah it's just sort it's sort of like that um, boost of like we're the X-Men again woo and it really sort of exploded the X-Men again to where really they are today Uh, Well, that sounds good. I guess that'll do it for us. Um, And so next week, I'm Mutant Genesis. Um, Have a good one, and we will see you on the flipper side. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode. This band of knuckleheads will be back next week with a new episode. Until then, you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr as Funny Books and Firewater. And on Twitter as at FirewaterCast. Go to FunnyBooksAndFirewater.com for the most up-to-date information. As well as cocktail recipes from this and past episodes. Thank you for joining us. And until next week, support your local comic shop. Tip your bartender well. And stay hydrated.